Today is the 20th day of October, 2014, and we are with Dr. Alec Pandey once again. Mm. Good evening. Namaste. Today I wanted to mention <coughs> Harmony uh, in this book, Flowers and Their Messages, which is actually the title given by Mother. And she speaks of, uh, she names many flowers that carry the significance of harmony. Um, but there's one, the hydrangea, and that is collective harmony. Mother says, collective harmony is the work undertaken by the divine consciousness. It alone has the power to realize it. Now, reading Sri Aurobindo in, so, in his social and political thought, he uh, sp- he speaks m- most beautifully and eloquently about the League of Nations and what he sees that it should be and, and how it has been formed and everything. But just some years ago, uh, the United Nations had its 60th birthday. And it was, on, I believe, on the cover of Time magazine, and it says 60 years of failure. Yes, yes. 60 years of failure. So, and now we have Putin threatening with nuclear warheads. Collective harmony. (laughs) Um, You know, before we get into it, uh, your comment reminded me about the recent uh, meeting which took place maybe a few weeks back in in America and uh, the Indian president, Indian prime minister was there. Oh, yes. And he made a very interesting comment that... um, uh, next year we'll be celebrating 70 years of the United Nations. And it is a time to introspect and reflect how far we have really succeeded in the mission. It was a very interesting statement because I think with harmony, as with everything else, we try to sort out things only on the surface. That's one of the big problems of uh, human nature, we are externalized, these are endowment from the animals, that we are gazing at life and world only with the external senses, taking the inputs. Based on the input of the senses, we create differentiations, we create walls, all kinds of things. But human beings are endowed with a unique uh, capacity to look inside. And I think that really is a, marks them distinct from the animal kind. This capacity to look inside into a subjective space and, you know, uh, work from work out things from there. So, you know, uh, this aspect, one of the work which the divine has undertaken, unity in diversity. Now, here again, what happens is that um, we identify with few elements in nature and we almost define ourselves by that. You know, this is a common phrase. How do you define yourself? So basically when we define, we limit ourselves. Uh, I was reading very interestingly um, something which A.B. Purani saw in Shurbindo and then he says, I was reminded of what Shurbindo wrote in Essays on the Gita that what will be the supramental personality like? And he says it will be like an impersonal universality. Now the problem of human nature is we are just the opposite. Our personality is more like an imposition of nature's barriers and whatever is in affinity with that, we form natural groups. Whatever is not in affinity with that, we try to 
at worst eliminate at best tolerate <laughs> but uh, you know tolerating things or even trying to create some kind of an understanding by a superficial exchange of views all these uh, are fine uh, human methods because you know we rely on those methods of which we are aware but always such kind of a harmony is always precarious because deep inside the schism exists and it erupts it erupts as the slightest provocation and uh, even when people are in affinity you know the classic example is uh, i think <laughs> mother said in a very interesting way as you know she had a very subtle sense of humor shivinda has said that she said one of the miracles for me is that you know keeping 1200 people who are so different together in an ashram and <laughs> and it's not a joke if you really come to think of it even where people are on the same path towards the same goal forget about you know where there are you know surface differences even when deep inside you are rooted in something at least we are expected to be rooted hopefully we are rooted <laughs> big question mark but nevertheless let's uh, you know let's give each other a fair chance that we are all on the same path towards the same goal when i say path in a broad sense there are different ways of approaching it and yet there is so much of challenges towards creating harmony now when we look at now why i am bringing this factor of ashram and the mother uh, because it directly reaches that point now when we look at say 50 years 60 years back when mother and shobindo were in physical body how did this harmony work out which i must uh, say that you know is so much more difficult now let's you know be very realistic about no, things no any rights about that yeah, also yeah, yes yeah. yes much more difficult so why was it um, i mean people who couldn't look at each other eyeball to eyeball were yet held together and if i have to look at the one single factor that held people together apart from the divine persona of mother and shobindo it is the mother's love and i have a you know it's my understanding that when shobindo said that the work we are waiting for the mother and he specifically mentioned the collective work and no wonder the ashram she was given in charge of other aspects of yogic guidance could be given but who would embody that love which like a magnet would hold people together and even now to an extent it operates though at a different in a different way uh, of course for those who can feel it very personally the blessed ones the lucky one the fortunate ones there is no problem but otherwise even when people are very unhappy with each other they still want to stay here there is something in the atmosphere like a magic incense burning which draws um so when we speak about the divine creating harmony divine alone creating harmony it means that humanity should be able to feel a little bit of that love which is at the back of creation in indian mythology it's very interesting that the being who holds the march of humanity together has been termed krishna now leaving aside the mythical aspects of krishna and the stories and legends and you know the cults you know talk about that but the word krishna means comes from the same root as it means to draw so akarshan you know it's a word in sanskrit 
to draw together, to draw close. And by the very fact of divine presence, it draws together. How people respond from this psychic being. And that little touch is enough to at least hold so many persons who are so different. I mean, you know as much as you know anyone else, I think you know much more that people who take to this yoga, most of them are highly individualized. That means they have reached a fairly high degree of um, eco-development, eco-individuality, because without that, to start with, it's not even possible to go into yoga. So it's a paradox that there is a kind of harmony at a mass level. So, you know, everybody is crying for a ministers uh, going to jail or release. No, that's not harmony. Many people feel that that's harmony. Thousands and thousands of people yeah. together maybe lacks and they are moved by a common sentiment. Uh, let's take the uh, freedom struggle of India. Suddenly a whole mass of people were moved by a common sentiment. Now common sentiment, common ideal, common work, they will create a temporary state which will resemble like a harmony because you know everybody is together. It's like when you are stuck in a difficult situation, so everybody has to come together and face that difficulty. But the moment that moment is gone, the inner differences come up. This is the big problem. And they come up because temporarily this ego was subdued because of common interest. Like, you know, what happens in the business sector? People are moved by common interest and whatever they may um, talk behind the person, on the surface there is the facade of a good smile and taking care of each other's interests. Now, this is not harmony. So when Mother and Shubhinder speak of harmony, it is something so much more profound. It's not blurring out the distinctions. It's not being moved by a common factor in life. It's not about common interest. It's not about mutual association. But it's about a sincere, not just a sincere will to create harmony, but a sincere opening towards that source, that love which sustains the world. It's a very big challenge. At one place, the mother says, and Shubhinda said, the big challenge is the ego. Yeah. It is the adversary. And so long as men live by the ego, not only divine love cannot really manifest in the world, but whatever we may do, whatever systems, structures, institutions, they will always break down. And that is a big challenge. With all that mother and Sri Aurobindo have done for us, mother still had to say in 1967, Men, countries, continents, the choice is imperative, truth, truth or the oh, abyss. Yes, absolutely. And that's where, actually, I'm so glad you mentioned this because um, um, I was just, you know, contemplating about that. Um, I think yesterday, two days back, I was reading this very interesting thing that only divine love can eventually transform this world and create a collective harmony together. But she says divine love cannot manifest unless at first there is the basis of truth. Yes. And Shubhinder writes this in a letter to Dilip Kumar Roy because, you know, um, quite naturally he, when he came, he was a bhakta, very emotional, mm -hmm. at, you know, sensitive, sentimental, of course, very intellectually developed artist, also. Artist, yeah, yeah, artist. Consciousness. Yes. Intellectually also a very yes. developed uh, yes. person. So very interesting combination, very complex human being. And he was struck by a um, fact or an observation 
that uh, well we are all here together for the same purpose there should be bonhomi there should be love there should be you know all the kind of sentimental exchanges pleasantries etc and shobindo had to repeatedly remind him that to bring down there is a very famous letter to bring down the divine love and ananda is what we are also striving for it is the aim put forward by shri krishna mm. but we have found by our experience that it cannot come down or stay unless divine truth establishes itself as a basis so i suppose right now what we are seeing is not the harmony aspect but the intense struggle between truth and all that must go away be integrated back into the animal kind you know humanity had several layers of evolution which are behind us and many of us have come up because simply because of the collective pressure but in our consciousness you know the other day you were mentioning about isis what is it in consciousness mm. brute absolutely brute i mean probably the rakshasa would be better yeah. you know when you read the stories they ate when they were hungry but who are these people are they humans if we say they are humans then uh, you know humans are not just a question of uh, two eyes and one nose and you know human features uh, bhartari who was a great tantric yogi and shobindo has you know even even uh, uh, translated his niti shatikam so he says at one place that there are a lot of uh, animals who don't have horns and don't have a tail and don't eat grass now it may sound very uh, extreme statement and no doubt the fact of taking a human body means something but at the same time there is a whole chunk of humanity which is living by the ego for the ego and doesn't want to see anything beyond you know you were talking about the missiles and you know for them nothing else matters now if you try to create harmony by any external means this kind of humanity will invariably use your resources speak nice things and ultimately cater to their own ego interest and that's what happened first to the league of nations yes. born out of a very noble sentiment and uh, first world war it was a gift passing gift of the first world war you know there were many interesting gifts of the first world war feminist movement you know the recognition that women are as strong as men this was a good gift you know war always leaves like Uh, we have in india that after the mahabharata war thanks to that the geeta was born so something good emerges so one of them was the league of nations the first impulse that can we really live like this it's very unfortunate that mankind needs extreme situations to realize something which is so evident so we have to go through quarrels war so much uh, you know uh, distrust suspicion and after all this we feel oh this is not the way we should have lived so i think the same thing happens at a collective level so the league of nations as a result of the first world war obviously turned out to be a facade uh, and it was of course drafted in a very imperfect way because uh, you know there were exigencies it was more to probably ensure that you know the at least a few nations don't enter into the kind of situations in which they were caught up the united nations a little more at least sincere because the birth was amidst far greater far worse situations so initial movement because they faced a common danger was very good the initial impulse 
But what happened later on, Shubhendu pointed out in his postscript chapter on, you know, United Nations organization mm -hmm. that we have to safeguard that it doesn't become, you know, a, um, you know, a new bottle, but the same old wine where few nations hold sway because of the power they, you know, and it's for the interest of the few nations that the other nations really, you know, uh, have to toe the line. Now, for whatever reasons we see in this, the five vetoing nations, one cannot say that any of them are really sincere. Yeah. And imagine if one of them goes stray, <clears throat> there is a big possibility. I mean, uh, I mean, I, can, I don't mind openly speaking. Uh, forget about Russia. Look at China. Yes. <laughs> what do you do with that kind of a nation being among the vetoing nations? Now, it's a very dangerous situation and should have been the foresight. When uh, United Nations took the side of Pakistan, the vis-a-vis -vis India, you know what mother commented? Uh, this is, um, I think, obviously after 65 or was it 71? Uh, I forget exactly. But she said, oh, the United Nations, they are being totally governed by falsehood. They have already decided to take the side of Pakistan without even understanding the cause of India. But Shurbindo in his postscript chapter saw hope. He said all, mm -hmm. you know, that line from Savitri as in a dark beginning of all things. So everything starts like that. So I suppose if you look at 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, it is nothing in the life of a aspiration. And I feel that this, what happened this year, um, I do believe that that prophecy about 2012, the world entering into a cataclysmic state, I think this, this is a, about an inner change, the death of the old world. It's not about something happening externally. And I feel that changes are taking place and they are taking place in two ways. One, when someone almost spoke as if giving to the United Nations a conscience that look, we need to look inside introspect as a committee of nations, where are we really going? Where are we heading? All right, you know, you have a meeting one every year, you pass some resolutions, you fight against Ebola and all that is good. But where are we heading in terms of the true harmony? So this is one very good factor. The second thing and there, that's where the paradox comes in that the pressure comes when, you know, the pressure to change comes when humanity suddenly sees the prospect of entering into the abyss. So that's where ISIS and the missiles do their work. They push humanity to reflect because, you know, we are suddenly thrown out of the comfort zones. What if ISIS is at the doorsteps of India? It is, in fact, in Kashmir, they were, you know, ISIS flags shown. Can we still afford to be insincere and continue to, you know, uh, take the sides of what is false? Now, this churning is going on even in Islam. Now, you know, um, I have been reading a lot of uh, literature which is going around uh, this American correspondent, Farid Jakaria, for instance. Oh, very nicely, yes. yes. Very, so His interview, interview was very good. And he's coming and lot of such people are beginning to speak up <clears throat> mm -hmm. that, look, we need to uh, acknowledge the problems, the issues, and we can, we have to filter out the essence. 
and discard all that is peripheries, non-essentials, you know, um, all over the world, whether it is uh, in the form of religion, Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, Sikhism, there is a whole encrustation, a whole mass of things which needs to be discarded. And we have to carry the essence. Same thing about the life of nations. You know, a nation unit formed to defend against other nations is one thought. And I think it's a very negative way. It's an important thing, but a very negative way. A nation unit for common interest, for common goals, begins to become better. But a nation unit meant to express a unique mode of the divine, I think that's where humanity has to reach. And I hope that some such nation shows the way. Um, I think, um, I don't know whether last time I mentioned or not, but in my class I was speaking about it. If you look at Russia, America and India, you see mother wanted Russia and America yes. and India to come together. Speak about it in America, speak about it in <coughs> Russia and you know the response. <laughs> there is still so much of mutual suspicion yeah. and distrust. But you see if you look deeper, America represents the spirit of freedom. However it may be misunderstood or disguised, but the spirit of freedom is necessary for the new world. You can't, you know, do without it. Russia represents the spirit of brotherhood. That's how, you know, the socialism, the communism has worked. But it has broken because it was on a wrong basis. It was on a purely asuric basis of biological togetherness. And India represents the spirit of unity. And that's why India is plagued with so many, 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 many kinds of divergent strands of humanity. And the day America understands what true freedom is, it's not just giving expression to your ego self, but to, you know, discover the freedom of the spirit, the power to make the right choices, even at the national level. And I think they are reaching that point. They are they're somewhere feeling the way or being led by the divine uh, despite whatever the appearance may be. The day Russia's understand that true brotherhood is not something external, but it is based on something much deeper by discovering the essence of humanity. And the day India understands what true unity is, it's not about percentage figures and, you know, uh, democratically putting people together in a potpourri. But to again go back to that divine aspect, the divine essence, which is manifesting in varied ways, then these countries will automatically come together. In fact, I feel they will come together, even regardless of anything. Because uh, when this uh, you know, question was asked about Third World War, the mother said that um, humanity may reach that point, but it will not happen. In fact, she didn't say categorically, but she said, let us hope that the presence of the supermind. Yeah. <laughs> because earlier Shobinda had written a very interesting letter in the late 30s to a disciple that this much is sure that the earth will be saved. Yes. Whether humanity will be saved or not is a question that is left hanging. Yes. And the mother also has left it hanging. Yes. So when mother was asked later on, I think in the 60s, is it still hanging? Mother didn't say anything. She just laughed and remained silent. Very powerful silence. So I suppose um, both aspects, on one side, 
changes that are taking place another thing which is very interesting which is happening up see human beings are getting close together uh, in ways which are transcending national boundaries and i think it's a very good movement uh, it's very unexpected and i think yeah. probably it's not the parliaments which will bring unity and harmony it is the common so called ordinary person you know people who are moved by uh, mark <laughs> what is his name uh, facebook uh, fellow uh, you know they will come yeah. together and now you know a common aspiration towards peace harmony understanding you know transcultural marriages transcultural movements these will bring together because there will be quite naturally a common understanding of the depths you see one of the problems with russia has been that russia is not at all open to people who come from outside right. i mean you know very well even the visa is for a very limited period and you know yeah, two weeks two weeks, weeks yeah. <laughs> precise period and it's like you get a feeling you are not really welcome yeah you need to know russian to live there now obviously on one side it it has dreamed of brotherhood at whatever level at another side if you remain so closed how will things move so you know every nation will go through its own challenges similarly in india you talk about vasudev kutumbam the divine all world is divine family then you fight between tamil nadu and karnataka as if <laughs> they are two different nations now you know on one side truth other side abyss similarly in america freedom liberty but then you know when you talk about liberty and freedom you have to respect it everywhere and in you know yeah. you have to discover its real basis so i think uh, all these events are exposing the chinks in our armor in the hour of god yes and maybe we'll get many blows doesn't matter because divine doesn't work in one life span but this much i am sure that the collective harmony is bound to come because humanity has no other way we have no other choice do you feel that uh, in the present situation india and america are becoming closer yes and paradoxically um again through such events like the 911 it's a very unfortunate way to come close together but the mother not only foresaw it she felt its absolute imperative necessity because india represents it's a reservoir of spiritual energy which runs in its streams whereas america is a reservoir of solid material power in its most you know condensed form and this material energy opening to the spiritual touch this spiritual energy expressing itself through the power of matter yes would create a new world i mean their coming together is destined and imperative whatever may be uh, you know the differences on the surface and i think it is happening see it's interesting to see the way american dias the indian diaspora uh, has you know gone to america and slowly uh, there was this uh, interesting article sometime back in america that are we all turning hindus of course the article is a catch phrase and you know that apart but many americans hold very similar beliefs as those of people who are having this background of sanatan dharma leave aside the 
you know, many believe in rebirth, many believe in God who is mm-hmm. though one but <clears throat> expresses in multiple ways. So I think American society is, um, the, the Indian thought, the deeper Indian thought is very slowly but in a very solid way percolating into the mainstream American thought without realizing it. And that's why the resistance is also coming up. And we don't talk about that, you know, uh, the distortions of what India is. And, right. uh, that's not a healthy side. But I believe they are a handful. By and large, the common man, let's talk of that, is really, um, those thoughts are just seeping in from where we don't know. And situations and circumstances are developing that are bringing these two nations together. The mother at one point even said that it's so important, but a lot of, you know, um, the American politics is still under the influence of the adverse forces. But that was, of course, way back in the 60s when the equation was such that America would blindly support Pakistan. Mm. Things have but she, uh, she, I believe, was working through Kennedy. Yes. And so when Kennedy died, she said it was a yes. occult death. But that was also a world when... Uh, Supramental had not yet established its roots upon mm-hmm. earth yes. in a concrete way. I mean, it had descended, but it was still right. in infancy. And um, for instance, in 50s, the mother said, I wanted, uh, later on she says, and then she connects to an event in the 50s. In the 60s, she says, I need just one man, not a party, not a group. One man, she's speaking about the Indian context, one man who is receptive and courageous and sincere and who can work out things. And then she says, where is that one man? And then she says, there was one. He had come for the convocation, uh, you know, which took place, uh, Shiobindo International Center of Education, International University Center. That time it was called like that. You know who was this man? Shyama Prashad Mukherjee. He also died a very strange death. He went to Kashmir saying that it's, my free country and I can travel anywhere. And he was arrested, mm. incarcerated. He died a very mysterious death. And the mother said he was assassinated. She, you know, yes. this story yes. went around. Yes. Now, it's very interesting that these instruments which came up in the beginning, and there was a moment when India and America could come close together and Kennedy was the chief instrument. But at that point of time, it seems uh, Indian Prime Minister didn't, uh, respond and it's documented now it's part of yes. common history that <clears throat> Kennedy who very much was impressed and wanted India and America to work closely was very unimpressed after meeting uh, Jawaharlal Nehru. Yeah. In fact he said he was a very tired man not interested at all in anything. He had his own ideas of socialism and that was a moment and I feel such moments come again so uh, this is 60s, early 60s, 61, around that. So if you take it now, 50 years. 50 years. So the moment has come again. Yep. And I hope we don't lose it. Because if you lose it, another 50 years. A lot of things, unfortunate things. Now we still have China and Russia. Yes. yes. Against that. Absolutely. Unity. Absolutely. And... Um, Particularly Russia is, it's very important for Russia, America and India to come together. And I feel India can play a role in bridging the two together. Ah. 
China is a very, you know, it's a, as we can say, the wild card in the hands of <laughs> the whatever forces we may want to. And the mother, you know, was very worried and yes. she was uh, not at all comfortable about uh, the Chinese in general, not about Chinese philosophy in those days. But um, there is a lot of mixture which has taken place. And um, I feel that if Russia, India, America, and on the other side, Japan, these countries can come together. I think China will, may not be fully part of a kind of a total world harmony, but just be with the line. And I think that would be good enough and, to... And I feel that that seed is, is, that seed is, is germinating. That seed is germinating. Yeah. So I feel a lot of hope. In that, uh, Shobindo, when he wrote about United Nations organization, that postscript chapter, mm -hmm. he ended with a lot of hope. Yes. So obviously he had a vision of that and he said that, you know, that's how things start and people come close together and over a period of time, they are bound to grow. And only, only issue, which, you know, that's where we all feel a bit um, sad at times that we have to go through so much pain suffering, struggle, unnecessary loss, war, battle, plunder, to reach that point of becoming receptive to the divine love, which is always there. That's the sad part. But I guess that's how animal creation has to be left behind. And, you know, evolution is like that. Yeah. Lot of pain and struggle. The emergence of the butterfly from the caterpillar. Right. So the problem comes back to the same thing that the ego must die. And I feel, um, and, and not just die, but be replaced by the true psychic individuality. And uh, often then I come back always to this point that what can I do? Is there a way that I can contribute to it? Because it's fine that things are moving at a global level. Now I feel that every individual who in his own little sphere of life can radiate that psychic love, that psychic feeling, that psychic connection with creation will facilitate the process. Be it in America, be it in India, be it in Russia. And such individuals are growing up. And particularly I must say that I feel that is one of the work that the growing Shurabindo communities have to do. It's a pressing necessity to bring out the psychic rather than simply living all in the mind and, you know, try to over-intellectualize things, to bring out the psychic and connect with the world with the psychic feeling. And each one who does it will actually end up facilitating the large-scale movement of forces. Okay. He'll be like the little butterfly flapping the wings yes. to build up a storm. Nolini made one comment that was so interesting. He said, uh, the Superman is already amongst you. Yes. And then he says, it could be me, it could even be you. Yes. It could be just round the corner. And it could be just round the corner. And maybe next time we could talk about the overman, the yes. Surum consciousness. Yes, we can talk the, about that. The transition. And the new consciousness, yes. the transition and Let's how things that are moving. Next, yes. next That'll talk. be um, more moving in that positive direction. Good. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.